Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And if you do me a favor, please subscribe to wherever you're listening. Please subscribe to wherever you're watching. It definitely means a lot to me. When we talk about sports in general, there's a few names, few people that you can't talk about sports without mentioning them. And it's not just their particular sport. You can't talk about sports without mentioning Michael Jordan. You can't talk about sports without mentioning Muhammad Ali, without mentioning uh, Bill Russell, without mentioning Tiger Woods, without mentioning people like Michael Phelps. You can't talk about sports without mentioning those people. And another person that you cannot talk about sports without mentioning is Serena Williams. Serena, Serena, Serena Williams... I think via Vogue interview, officially announced her retirement after the U.S. Open that she's currently playing in. Serena Williams, I I was trying to figure out how I can respectfully talk about Serena Williams' legacy. I think it's disrespectful to just say that she's arguably the greatest tennis player, men or women of all time. I think it's disrespectful to just say that she is a pioneer in in women's sports as well as fashion. I think it's disrespectful to just say that she meant a lot, you know, meant an a a lot to the African-American community as far as tennis goes. I think it would be disrespectful just to say that she, along with her sister, Venus Williams, completely shaped tennis as a whole. You know, when when we talk about when Tiger Woods plays, even today, when Tiger Woods plays, the world stops because the world wants to see, you know, the the world wants to see Tiger Woods do great. You know, when Tiger Woods, if he's in contention on Sundays with the red, you want to go see that. Serena Williams has that same effect. People love watching Serena Williams. People people understand when you you, you understand when you're watching greatness. You understand we may never see another LeBron James. We probably won't. We will never see another. We'll never see another Tiger Woods. We'll never see another Muhammad Ali. We will never see another Serena Williams. You know what Serena Williams did? She made it okay to blend fierce with elegance. She made it okay to mix competitive and confident. She made it okay to mix sports with beauty. You see, I think I know I did it a while back. I did like my top 10 sports figures. And Serena Williams is damn near the top of the line, the top of my list. 
she, I think she's turning, either she's 41 or she's turning 41. And as she says, while she loves the game of, of tennis, she's ready for the next chapter. She's a mother. She's a wife. But even if she doesn't, if she does win this U.S. Open, shouts out to her. If she doesn't, shouts out to her. Serena Williams will go down as, in my opinion, the greatest tennis player of all time, men or women. And honestly, the most important tennis player of all time. Arguably one of the most important women's sports figures of all time. Arguably one of the most important sports figures of all time. You see, there's there's a few there's a few in that pantheon. There's there's a few players that or, or or athletes that you just say their name and you don't even have to watch sports. You don't even have to know much about sports, but you know them. You can a random person on the street knows who LeBron James and Michael Jordan is. A random person on the street knows who Tiger Woods is. A random person on the street knows who Serena Williams is. That's how impactful. And integral she is to she was and is to sports in general. I mean, just I feel like her career accolades, while they are important, they don't tell the whole story. But let's just talk about some of those career accolades. Her singles career record is, and this is if you know before if she does win the U.S. Open, is. 855 and 153. She has 78 career single titles. She's won the Australian Open seven times, the French Open three times, Wimbledon seven times, then the U.S. Open six times. In doubles, she has 23 career titles. She also has won one, two, three, four, four Olympic gold medals in tennis. Oh, and that um, that 75 career titles is fifth most all time in all of base, all of tennis. You see, this is a huge loss for tennis. But there's no way that you can look at tennis and not see Serena. I mean, you look at Coco Golf, you look at Naomi Osaka, you look at uh, what's it, um, Stephens. And you see Serena. This is that's just the impact that you have. We we know about the cat suit. We know about you know and, and the thing that I also remember and it's it's just another example why and how important she is. The criticism that she received for being her, for being competitive, 
for 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 being fiery, for for being a fashion a fashion mogul and a fashion icon on the on the on the tennis court. We remember, like I said, about the black suit. We remember, or the cat, the the black cat suit. We remember the quote unquote outburst that she had. Serena Williams, man. Again, I, I feel like this isn't. I'm not effectively conveying how important she is and was to sports. Congratulations, Serena Williams. I do love the fact that she was able to go out on her own terms. You know, an injury didn't cost her, uh, just her not being good didn't cost her. Yeah, she hasn't won uh, in a while, but again, she's still Serena Williams. And she did win a tournament, I think the U.S. Open, I believe. Or was it the Australian Open, I think. She won it pregnant. Congratulations to Serena Williams for announcing your retirement. Congratulations for all your career accolades. And she will go down and is one of the most important and one of the greatest sports figures of all time. Again, she made it cool to be fiery as well as elegant. She made it acceptable to be a woman and be competitive and beautiful at the same time, which is something that was that that was feared. You know, we, we know the stigmas that that they want to put on women, let alone African-American women. The, you know, African-American women are always supposed to take a back seat if you if a backseat to everyone if you ask a lot of people Serena Williams showed you that and showed us showed the world that not only is it okay to be African American be a African American and a woman in sports but it's okay to dominate and be an African American woman in sports so congratulations Serena Williams for announcing your retirement the sports world will not be the same without you in it so congratulations let's move forward you know what I realized about Kevin Durant I'm not saying I always thought he was dumb or something but Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant is ext- he understands he's he's very calculated. You know how they say uh LeBron James everything he does is calculated, which is probably true. The same thing has to be said for Kevin Durant. Because ever since Kevin Durant announced that he wanted to trade, everything he's done has kind of cemented why I believe he's going to be traded. The latest news is he had, I guess, a conversation with 
uh, Joe Sai, who is the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, and he pretty much said it's either me or Sean Marks, who was the GM, and and Steve Nash. Let's not <laughs> negate the fact that Kevin Durant is one of the biggest and main reasons why the, the roster is what it is today. Let's not forget the fact that if it wasn't, you know, Kevin Durant signed off on Steve Nash, meaning, you know, Kenny Atkins was out of there. And Kevin Durant just a few weeks ago said Steve Nash was doing a great job as a first-year head coach. You see, what Kevin Durant's doing, in my opinion, is he's mucking up the water in the most respectable way possible. You see, Kevin Durant didn't go to the media. Kevin Durant didn't go to the news. It, I don't know who leaked it. It might have been Kevin Durant's camp. It might have been the Brooklyn Nets camp. I don't know. But Kevin Durant had a conversation with the owner. Saying, hey, yo, it's either me or them. He doesn't trust the organization, the, the direction of the organization, you know. And I understand. I really do. Trust me. I get it. But what he's doing now is it's almost no way that Kevin Durant can return to this team. Because just think about the culture that that is going to that's that's going to develop with the Brooklyn Nets. You see, you have your star player who's already come, well, it's already been out publicly that he doesn't trust the, the 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 direction of the head coach. He doesn't trust the direction of the GM. You've already had sort of a we know about the Kyrie situation and and how it's looking like more and more that Kyrie is probably going to start the year off with Brooklyn, which is another thing that they really don't want. But it looks like the there's not a lot of suitors for them for him. You're now pitting your owner against management because it's either you have to pick me, Kevin Durant, or you have to pick the management's team. It's 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 just more and more likely that Kevin Durant. It's it's hard for me to see now Kevin Durant playing for the Brooklyn Nets because what 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 culture does that? What does that send to the world that your star play? It's it's out there now that your star player does not trust your your head coach or your GM. And it's smart. If you, you get, this is a business. This is you know yes basketball, but this is a business. And you got to do what you got to do was and what's best for yourself. And Kevin Durant feels like what's best for himself is to start fresh somewhere else. And if he feels like you know the it's it's not moving in the direction that he thinks it should or it's not it. Things aren't moving as fast as he wants them to. Then you do something about it. You see, I'm not, I'm not against understanding when you're wrong. And and trying to do things 
to rectify you being wrong or or starting fresh because the decisions that you made, if you can start fresh, the decisions that you made were not the right decisions. You see, I was, I didn't mind. I never minded when he went from OKC to Golden State. It is what it is. I was always like, you know, in, in when you're playing at the park, right, when you're playing at the rec and a team just beat you, nobody talks about if, you know, one player drops down and they need another person and you go to that team. Nobody says anything. But when it's basketball and there's fans and there's money involved, then, of course, people care. Again, people wouldn't care if it was their team. If if it was the Phoenix Suns beat OKC 3-1, to I'm sure Phoenix Suns fans wouldn't care. If it was, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies, I'm sure Memphis Grizzlies fans don't care. It's just, you know, Kevin Durant didn't go to your team. He, he just so happened to go to the best team, and it is what it is. And I was always I, – I was against him. Let me say this. Not against. I didn't think it was the smartest decision, him leaving Golden State to go to Brooklyn, especially when you're putting your faith in Kyrie. While Kyrie – and I've said this time and time again – while Kyrie is a extremely talented player, I think his talent alone – merits him being in the top 75 or he has a good case of being in the top 75 just from his talent alone i understand that but when you're leaving an organization when you're leaving a good management when you're leaving uh all-time players like a steph curry like a clay thompson like a draymond green it would be hard for me to make that decision just to leave to go pair with my friend you know what i mean but he did that and you're starting to see, okay, this isn't working. Me and Kyrie, I mean, I think it's what three years in. Me, and Kyrie, Kyrie, we 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 haven't really succeeded together. You had James Harden, now you don't have James Harden. You had Ben Simmons. Reports are saying he didn't. He exited out of a group chat for you know in the start of Game Four, meaning that not only the coaches but the players also thought that he was going to be playing. I understand if you look and it's like, all right, I need to go. This ain't working. I have four years. You know, I'm I'm still at the prime of my career. You know, almost at the tail end of that. Let me try to let me try to maximize my talent somewhere else. So, I do think that this this move that he did, reiterating that he wants to be traded uh, with the owner Joe Sy. Um, who was, I think, the richest owner in sports. You reiterate that, you, and then you also pretty much say it's either me or the coaching staff and the GM, and then Joe Sy comes out and says the, organiza- you know, the organization is stands behind Sean Marks and Steve, Steve Nash. So now it's, it's like what happens now? Now it's, it's, it's extra. I thought, you know, I didn't, you didn't hear much from it. I thought that it was more and more likely that he would play for Brooklyn at least one more year and figure things out, or at least until the trade deadline and figure things out. That's what I was thinking, seeing as though we haven't really heard any traction. But now that I hear this, I do not believe he's going to play again. I don't think he's playing for Brooklyn again. I, Kevin Durant doesn't seem like the type of person that will sit out. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know Kevin Durant personally. I don't know. But I do think that it's – these these last few comments, nah. 
I don't see it. I don't see it. And and I am now more and more interested to see what happens with Brooklyn as far as are they going to come down in their price? Are they going see one thing that I I, I don't understand. I get it, but then I don't understand at the same time is is the word value. It comes up on this podcast so many times, but value. You see, people think whatever you're traded for or whatever a team gets to return is your value, which is not the case. I can I can be dumb. I can be team A that's dumb in Brooklyn. And I can trade one player for Kevin Durant. Does that mean Kevin Durant's value is that one player? No, Kevin Durant is still Kevin Durant, arguably one of the best players in the league, if not the best player in the league. I just think I, I'm just wondering if Brooklyn now kind of lowers their asking price because I think maybe now they feel more and more that it's unlikely to bring Kevin Durant back, like more and more unlikely. I think that they were they believed that they could salvage their relationship and you just get to the season and, and things would change. And that still could happen, but it's looking more and more unlikely with the conversation that was had. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I just it's this latest development is I'm more and more on the side of Kevin Durant's never going to play in Brooklyn again. And that's just me. So we'll see. So I want to talk about, you know, the, the NFL is back uh, this 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 is actually the first weekend that we're getting actual legit preseason football. And we're going to have football every week and until February at this point. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to bring on a bunch of people uh, to to talk about, you know, breakdown divisions. Uh, and, of course, I'm not going to have them all at the same time. But the division that I broke down today was the AFC South. And I wanted to bring my man Carl on, who is a... <laughs> He's a football savant. He also is one of the – he knows everything about betting and gambling that you could know. Uh, but I wanted to bring Carl on, Carl Garris, to discuss and, and just break down the AFC South. I wanted to talk – you know, I wanted to give his point of view about Trevor Lawrence, about, you know, Matt Ryan and and – who was going to win the division. So, uh, you know, without further ado, here's my conversation with Carl about, or here's my breakdown of the AFC South with Carl. So let's, let's talk about the AFC South, man. The AFC South. Ugh. First of all, I apologize for having you come on and talk about the AFC South because somebody had to do it. Um, not, but I appreciate you come on. Let me let, so, we're going to do a brief breakdown of every team. Um, and let's start with, let's start with the Jaguars, man. First and foremost, there, there's no way you can't be there. Well, there's a way, but I, there, you can't go three and 14 again. Like that's just not, that can't happen. Um, especially when you have Trevor Lawrence, especially when you have everything that happened to them with, you know, urban Meyer and all that. I, I think Doug, I think uh was um Doug uh Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson is a good coach. I think he'll be good. How do you 
I was on the record saying I don't think it was smart uh, when they had the number one overall pick. I think they should have went with um, Hutchinson. How do you feel? Do you think that, well, one, do you think that they should have went a different direction than uh, what they went in number one? Or do you think that, you know, it was the right pick, picking was Walker, right? Trayvon Walker. Yeah, from Georgia. Walker, yeah. So um, I'm not mad at the Trayvon Walker draft pick from Georgia. He's a nice, speedy, athletic pass rusher, and he kind of showed it in the Hall of Fame game. I don't know if anybody watched the Hall of Fame game Thursday. He did get the bad rough in the passer um, penalty, but he was back there. Mm-hmm. At least he was back there. Then he gets a sack and a half, I think, in the game. So he showed flashes in the Hall of Fame game. Mm-hmm. Um, Me personally, I had them getting Aiden Hutchinson, too. But for selfish reasons, I had them getting Aiden Hutchinson so the Lions can get Kevon Thibodeau because I wanted Kevon Thibodeau to go to the Lions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of think Aiden Hutchinson was a little overrated. That's just me. But I also have some sort of bias against people that went to said school. Um, but I, I don't think the Jaguars made a bad decision by going pass rusher, mm-hmm. to be honest. And I don't think the Jaguars had a bad draft from what I remember to answer your question. Well, let me, let me, let's advance this a little bit. Like I said, last year they went three and 14, but that was a mist of everything. Now, mm-hmm. I don't think even if they had Doug Peterson, even if they had everything, all their ducks lined up, I don't think they would have been a good team. It was a young team. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you lose Travis Etienne, I mean, he doesn't play a game for you, I don't think. Like, maybe preseason, that's about it. You you get pretty healthy. Um, how how do you think that they'll – how do you think the Jaguars could fare this year? Like, what is the best-case scenario for the Jaguars, in your opinion? Okay, so um, I'm going to talk about last year a little bit. Evan Myers is a terrible NFL coach. I mean, I felt like everybody knew that, but – I'm going to tell you one thing about the Jaguars owner, and this one I knew he was terrible. Mm-hmm. He said the Jaguars was a part of the AFL like a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, this guy's just out of touch. <laughs> He's out of touch. So when he when he brought Urban Meyer in, talking about to win, I'm like, yeah, he's still out of touch. Mm-hmm. So that owner is just terrible. But to answer your question, they went 3-14, like you said, in the midst of Chop House. I feel like nobody was really teaching Trevor Lawrence. This year, I feel like he'll be coached in a way to improve because we all know Trevor Lawrence has a talent. Now you bring in Christian Kirk, who I feel like they kind of did overpay for, but you needed somebody. Still got Marvin Jones Jr., who's been a thousand-yard receiver in this league. So you now have weapons with a young quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. We know how the talent. James Robinson comes back off an injury. I feel like they'll use him more. Mm-hmm. who had a thousand yards after his um undraft as an undrafted rookie he had a thousand yards so i do think the jaguars will improve which i guess it, you can say well they were three and 14 and of course they're going to improve yeah after but i think best case scenario and this is without me looking at the schedule they could win seven games now they also have a infamous this is the, that's best case scenario. That's like yeah. if everything is fine and all cylinders. They do have their infamous London game, which we know the Jaguars in London's undefeated. Yeah. They played every game in London. They might win the Super Bowl every year. So I don't know about record. It's it's kind of hard with this division, seeing as though 
this division kind of remind this is i don't know but i will say that the best case scenario i'm not going to put it on record i'm going to say is the best case scenario is where we start to see trevor lawrence make that make that leap make that separation from his draft class now i do think that like i said the 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 situation that he was drafted into was unlike i mean was was horrible Mm -hmm. um but we remember coming into the season he was touted as like one of the greatest uh potential draft picks of all time you know they were putting him on the same level as a, a, a Andrew Luck, mm-hmm. same level as a Peyton Manning coming out of college. While I don't think he's going to get there week or year two, I do think that this is a very pivotal year for him. Seeing as though to me you have a good coach, your offensive line isn't the best, but it got better than last year because last year this man was running for us like he was damn near as bad as Russell Wilson was. They signed your boy. They took your boy from Brandon Sheriff. Yeah, so I I think that the best case scenario is you start to really see a consistent growth in Trevor Lawrence. I don't think that they're good. They're good enough to, to really, I'm, they have to win more than three games, but well, they don't have to, but I think they're going to win. more. No, they have to, <laughs> but they have to, but I, I do think the best case scenario is you start to see a, you start to see a, a, a drastic leap in Trevor Lawrence. And I think that's what they're hoping for. Um, but let's let's move on to which, in my opinion, might be the worst team in the NFL. It's it's running. Oh man, don't do that. Come on, bro. Like not I'll, the Jets. <laughs> we're not talking about the Jets. We are talking about the Houston Texans. Outside, I mean, you have you have Darius Mills and you have Davis. Davis, my fault. Davis Mills and what? Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks. That's it. Now, don't get me wrong. Brandon Cooks is, is one of the most underrated players in the league, in my opinion. I feel that the situations that he's been in, he's excelled, even though maybe the team around him hasn't. I have no, I, I have no, I don't know. I mean, you did get Marlon Mack from the from the Colts. Which, he kind of put himself in the same situation he was in at Indy, in my opinion. Yeah, because it, it's like you're you're you're, it, what 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 do you what. How do I say this in a, in a nice way, man? Um, will the Houston Texans be drafting top three next year? That's a good question. Now, look, I, what I will say is that defense, while losing Lonnie Johnson and Justin Reed, and hear me out, Jalen Petrie, the second-round draft pick from Baylor, is a dog at safety. He's already getting reports how he's so good. He drops, he'll drop a pick and he's pissed. He'll do push-ups and all that. Like I said, caught those. Everybody is raving about Jalen Petrie. And I thought coming in that he was tough. Like I said, big 12 safety. Um, you get Derek Stingley Jr. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the best corner in the draft. I know a lot of people thought Sauls Gardner. I thought it's still Derek Stingley. I remember what he did as a freshman at LSU. He went against Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase in practices at LSU. So he's gone against elite talent in college. And Joe Burrow's throwing him the ball. So like I just – they made those two key pickups. I mean, offensively, they might struggle. I personally wasn't a fan of Davis Mills coming out of Stanford. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he did do well his rookie year. I'll give him that. But, yeah, I got the Texans finishing last. I actually have the Jaguars finishing in front of him. 
I did too. To be honest, the Jaguars got two games. They got the Colts in, in Jacksonville, who the Colts ain't beat Jacksonville in Jacksonville since 2014. Mm-hmm. And Jacksonville, I think, is undefeated in London. They're going back out London. So, I mean, if on paper serves anything, that's two games for Jacksonville right there. I, I, I think both teams aren't that good. Let's just Let's just be honest with it. But if you look at the individual talent, I have the Jaguars over the Texans, Texans just slightly. Um, and I, I am interested to see, of course, we're here talking about the AFC South, but I am interested to see what they look like in week 13. Because week 13, depending on what happens with this appeal thing with Deshaun Watson, if nothing really, if, if at, at most he gets 10 games, or at the least he gets 10 games, week 13 they play they they it's it's Cleveland in Houston. I want to see just exactly how they because I know I mean it's it's going to be big talk around. But if the team is not, I don't think the team's going to be good. But if they're like drastically bad, I think if they're drastically bad and Deshaun Watson comes in and and he and he is like the Deshaun Watson from Houston, it's it's gonna it's just gonna be bad. It's gonna be bad. And I, I, can see. I, I just, I don't know, bro. It's Houston's, Houston's difficult because Houston's always been, has Houston ever really had a Super Man, Bowl? They had a couple years with Matt Schaub back in like 2013. I know the Ravens beat them one year in the AFC Divisional Round. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when we won the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, that one year with Deshaun Watson when they lost to, they lost I think, the Chiefs. Top, yeah, they beat Tyrod. No, did they beat Tyrod Taylor in the Bills or did they lose to Josh Allen in the Bills? I can't remember. It was like 2018, 2017, I something like that. I think that's when they, I think, wasn't that when they were up like 20 points against the Chiefs and came back? Yeah, and yeah, lost? I think that was that same year. They were uh, like 28 points in the quarter. And Mahomes just erased that in one quarter. In one quarter. Uh, I just, it's just tough, man. What One thing I will say is I do want to see how they, how Lovey Smith does. That's exactly I want to say um, that too. I, I do want to see because I was very vocal on this on this podcast talking about how if I was an African American quarterback or coach, I don't know if I would have taken the job. Seeing as though we know how tough it is for African Americans to get and keep a head coaching job in Shoot. any professional sport. Steve Wilkes got fired after one year in Arizona. David Cliffingsburg. David Cully. I understand why they hired David Cully, which I'm not happy with, but you understand why, seeing as though you tried to appease Deshaun Watson, getting a black coach, this and a third. So I get it. Do I agree with it? No, but I get it. But he didn't do bad. Yes. He, no, he didn't. He they actually fought for him. He didn't do bad, and you still fire him. And then I think because everything that was going on with Brian Flores, everything that's going on with, you know, the higher black coaches movement, I think that's what – remember, they were about to hire Josh McCown. Yeah. I think yeah. the league had to stop him and be like, hey, oh, hey, hey, come I on. I remember that. But I, I also remember, like, players were behind that, too. Like, I think Steve Smith came out and said Josh McCown was, like, a good coach. There was a couple of players that was behind that. But you, you're about to hire someone that has absolutely no coaching experience to be yeah. not only high school, not not college, a NFL. It, nah. So yeah, no, nah, that's crazy. I am interested to see what Lovey Smith looks like as the head coach, seeing as though he did come from Illinois. And it's Illinois. Like, what do you expect from Illinois? You, you got to remember in Chicago, he helped kind of turn them around too. I mean, he went to a Super Bowl. 
Yeah. First first Super Bowl had two black coaches, him and Tony Dudgy. So I'm ex- I'm excited to see that or interested to see that. I don't know about excited, but I just don't have much hope for um the Texans. So what I'm what I would say to the Levy Smith thing is his thing is more so future based into terms mm-hmm. of instead of this season. Like this season, they might be like okay defensively because he he builds teams defense then offense. So like they might be okay defensively, but his success if he gets any success with this team would be more so two, three years down the line. And that is the, that's the situation that we find ourselves in. Does he get two to three years? Which is there. That's true too, because this is also the same organization where the owner or somebody came out and said, you can't have the prison when the inmates run the the asylum. You know what I'm saying? So this is that organization. So um, I hope he gets two, three years. Cause as we know, I mean, anybody outside of, of course, a team understands where exactly this team is as far as development-wise. Uh, but as we've seen, they're not really – I mean, the longest-tenured coach I can remember is Bill O'Brien, and that was – well, not longest-tenured, but, you know, he survived longer than uh, – Gary Kubiak is, I think, who I can remember. And, like, come on now. So that's that was years ago. That's all I'm saying. So that's that's what I'm interested in. Um, with not interested, but that's what I'm kind of eager in seeing what the Texans do. I don't think they'll be good at all. Um, they they have some pieces, like we said, but nah. A team that I am interested in, and we'll move on from there, is the Colts. Um, first and foremost, let me ask you straight up: Is this a Super Bowl? Take the quarterback out. Okay. Is this a Super Bowl? Cha- Super Bowl? Uh, caliber team. I would say yes. I would say yes. Um, I would say they were a Super Bowl contending team last year. Um, Carson Wentz, you know, he has his what are you doing moments. And he throws the ball in the triple quadruple coverage, i.e. the Titans game, where he threw the then he throw like a zero yard pick six. Yes. I was- um so I feel like the quarterback is that was the only issue with them, his like ability to take care of the football, his IQ with the ball, you know, when to take shots, when not to take shots, stuff like that. And I feel like Matt Ryan is more of a smarter QB when it comes to things like that. I know you said take out the quarterback, but it's kind of hard when I feel oh. like the quarterback was like the only issue. Yeah. Um, They have a top tier defense. They have a top five, top three running back. Mm-hmm. Offensive line is top tier. The only problem one may say is the receiving core. Receiving core, yeah. But they got, they got Pittman. They got Pittman. Yeah, I know right. they got Pittman. Then they draft a guy. Yeah, I forgot his. Yeah, I forgot who too. But I think they drafted a guy. So I mean, I'm interested to see how that receiver core looks uh, this year. I think they said Paris Campbell is working his way back from injury. I'm interested to see what Ty does because he was only on a one year deal. Nobody, I haven't heard anything about Ty. But I mean, he can't stay on the field. Um, yeah, he's kind of to me. He's he's kind of in his rope. Uh, yeah, he's at rope, the end. End of his career. Yeah, I I agree. I do think he's more so towards the end of his career as well. But yeah, to answer your question, I feel like they are a Super Bowl contender roster. It, it's just depending on what Matt Ryan you get. So that's that's where we uh that's where we kind of uh, we I we agree with that. We I agree that they were super. They are a Super Bowl caliber team. Um. I honestly believe if they would have went to the playoffs, 
or wild card and lost, I still think that Carson Wentz would be the 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 quarterback of this team. I think when you when you are when you're okay with letting Philip Rivers go, we're not saying Philip Rivers was the greatest. When you're okay with letting Philip Rivers go because you have Carson Wentz, when you have the coach that he saw his most success with, um, and Frank Reich. And you don't even make the playoffs. And well, no, he wasn't the only reason why they didn't make the playoffs, but he was the biggest reason why they didn't make the playoffs. I mean, you have to beat Jacksonville. We just talked about him. You ain't beat, you have to beat Jacksonville. I guess my question to you is well, let me let me first answer. I do believe it is a Super Bowl caliber team. When you have Quentin Nelson, you have a lot of potential. They stole Stephon Gilmore in yeah. the offseason. You have a lot of potential Hall of Fame or future Hall of Famers. Like I said, Stephon Gilmore, what's his name? Shaquille, Shaquille Leonard now. Yeah. Um, you have DeForest Buckner, who I think can can yeah. be a Hall of Famer. You have, like I said, Quentin Nelson. And 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 the the division is very winnable. Very winnable. Very. Um, I think that. I think you had to make the change from quarterback, but then I ask you, is Matt Ryan that much in your opinion, is Matt Ryan that much an improvement from Carson Wentz? I'll say yes. And it's kind of, like I said earlier, when it comes to IQ, the reason why I would say yes, because although numbers say Carson Wentz had 27 touchdowns, seven picks, you watch the game Carson Wentz played. It's a lot of, okay, what was that? Why'd you throw that? Stuff like that. With Matt Ryan, you know what you're going to get. You want to get a guy who's going to stay in the pocket. He's going to deliver an accurate ball. Although I don't think Matt Ryan is as good as certain people say he is. I do think, I'm not saying he's trash. Like Matt Ryan is a serviceable quarterback and he can make throws when throws are needed. But like I said, it just comes to IQ with the ball. And I know Matt Ryan is not going to do too much. He's not going to try to force things. He's going to take shots when they're available. And when it's smart to, he's not going to take shots when he's okay. He's not going to break or what do he do? Twist both his ankles on one play with the Rams when he should have just Bro, threw the he, ball away. I'm glad you, I'm glad he went straight up. He went straight up head against Aaron Donald. Yeah. Like Matt Ryan's not gonna, doing that. Thinking he was going to get the best of him. I like I, I I admire Carson Wentz no. for attempting stuff like that, but it's like, bro, we're gonna need you through the rest yes. of the season. Why? What is it? It's not the playoffs. Like we're gonna need you for that. So you know, it's funny. Um, to 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 piggyback on what you're saying, I of course the Jaguars game was the nail in the coffin, but I think one of his one of the one of the games that hurt him way more than it helped him. Now you know now looking back was that Ravens game was the Ravens game and I was at that game was the Ravens game because that was the best he's played all season the best I mean that was probably his best game of the entire season and you still end up in a loss and I think he threw a horrible interception uh at the end of the game I think Tavon Young caught it yeah something like and 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 I'm just like Yo, that's the I think him and Lamar both had over 400 yards passing. And it's like yeah, Lamar went 37 for 43. And you still lose that game. I think that's and Jonathan when, Taylor went crazy. He broke like multiple Taylor was going, I think he had multiple kick returns too. 
Uh, I don't know it, about kick returns, but I know it, he had multiple long runs. It was just, it was just, ah. Uh, and when you have a game as bad as Lamar had that the first half of that game, it's, I mean, not just Lamar, but the Ravens in general. Yeah, the Ravens. You have yeah, yeah. to win that game. And when you don't, it's just like, all right. Mm. Now, 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 now the antennas are starting to go up. Um, so I ask you this question, the same, I'll ask you the question that I asked you by the Jaguars. What is the best, is the best case scenario? Well, it's a little different, but is the best case scenario for the Colts a Super Bowl win or a Super Bowl appearance? So best case scenario, I feel like a Super Bowl appearance would be for anybody, for real. Um, so if you're talking about where do I think the Colts, what, what do I think the Colts would do with um, best case? So I don't, I think they're a Super Bowl caliber team, but I also think there's a lot of Super Bowl, not a lot, but, you know, Bills, um, I think the Ravens might have a Super not being biased. Mm-hmm. I do think we have a Super Bowl caliber team outside of receiver. Um, uh, you got the Chiefs, just because I don't bet against Andy Reid and Mahomes. You got... It's a couple teams. So, I mean, only one team out the FC can go. So, I say, to me, divisional round would be a best case for the Colts. Okay. Um, oh, I got to say the Bengals, they uh, defended AFC champs, and they didn't do anything but keep everybody but CJ was on. So, I have to throw them in there. Let me ask but, you. Well, well, you said the division round. I, I tend to agree. I think, I'm, I'm, of course, Super Bowl is everyone's goal. But you name those teams. I can throw in the Broncos. I can throw in, you know, a bunch of teams that got better and that are getting better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chargers, mm-hmm. the Raiders. Um, so we, I think we both agree with division around would be the best case scenario with like a best realistic scenario. My question is, do you think that the Colts would be happy with that? Or do the Colts have in their, which again, every team has, Super Bowl aspirations, but if the Colts make it to the division around and, and ultimately lose, do they look at that as, well, the last two years we didn't, you know, make, well, last year we didn't even make the playoffs. The year before we lost to the Bills mm-hmm. with Phillip Rivers. Mm-hmm. This was a, a, a improvement or when you have, like, like we said, when you have a potential, multiple potential uh, Hall of Famers, we need we needed to do more. How do you think if they do make it to the division around and ultimately don't make it out? Wh- how do you think they'll look at the season? So I think it depends on how the games go. So if they get blown out, then I don't think they'll look at it as a success because it's like, all right, we made it this far and we're better than that. Mm-hmm. But if it's like a close game and the other team goes down and kicks a game-winning field goal or you know, the Colts get stopped short, something like that, then I think it's going to hurt. But when you reflect and like, all right, it was a hell of a season. Somebody got to lose. Yeah. You feel me? So I do think depending on how the game goes now, um, what do I want to say here? I do think they do have to finally kick that Jaguars in Jacksonville curse. I think that will also help. Like if they do that, and they kicked the Jacksonville Jaguars curse of always, like, for the past nine years, eight years losing in Jacksonville, then I think they'll look at it as a success. And, oh, this is what I want to say, too, because the main reason why I say that is because they're young. Yeah. So they can keep building. The only positions where they're really old is Matt Ryan's been in the league 15 years now. 
which, I mean, he's a quarterback, so I'm pretty sure if, if he has a good season, he'll come back. Stephon Gilmore is not really old. He's old in terms of, I guess, cornerbacks. But he's I don't even think he's been in the league 10 years yet, if he's been in the league for 10. So you can build on that. They got Kenny Moore, who's young. Shaquille Leonard's young. Quentin Nelson's young. Jonathan Taylor's young. Michael Pittman's young. They're young, so they could just keep building and building. So, like I said, depending on how that game goes, mixed with the Jacksonville Jaguar first is – how I feel that we'll be with. Yeah. I unfortunately it's crazy that we have to even talk about Jacksonville curse. That should tell you just where this team has been. But I, I can agree with that. I just think I think there's so many good teams. There's so many good teams in the AFC. Um and like it does depend on how they lose. Like if you go up against a team that you feel you should be and you just get waxed, it's just like all right. You need to figure something out. Or if you if you go down to the wire and lose, it's like, well, you know, we, we're still building, like you said. Um, and, and the last team in the division, of course, is the Tennessee Titans. And hear me out. The Tennessee Titans, to me, is the Portland Trailblazers of the NFL. All right, I'm listening. I feel that there's a clear ceiling. When I look at the rest of the AFC, while, yes, it's a good team, Portland always – I mean, you had C.J. McCollum. You have Damian Lillard. You, you have a good team. But it's hard-pressed for me to look at this team and think, oh, that's a Super Bowl-caliber team. Yes, you have the best running back in the league when healthy and Derrick Henry. Yes, you have some solid piece on the defense. But – and Ryan Tannehill has been better than expected – He's been okay. Mm. So it's like, to me, this team is always going to be good in the regular season. That's, that's just how they are. They're, they're a good regular season team. When you have a player that could potentially run for 3,000 yards in a season or more, like, they, I get it. And when you have a, a once-in-a-generational running back like him, yeah, and you have a good coach in Mike Vrabel, but it's just, to me <laughs> – I, I don't I don't expect I expect what usually happens. I expect them to make the playoffs. They may be the first round team. They may not. Like I, I expect them to be incredibly dominant and not incredibly. I expect them to be really good in the regular season. People say, well, the Tennessee Titans this could be their year until they get and meet a uh, until they meet a um, Ravens until they meet a, a Bills until they meet a team that is leaps and bounds better than them and they just get waxed. You know what I'm saying? So do you agree with my sentiment? I just feel like every year they have high expectations and then it's just like, oh, well, you know. All right. So I'll only disagree with the fact that I think the, you know, when they lost, no, they two out of the three years, they lost to the Super Bowl, like the AFC Super Bowl representative. Mm-hmm. They lost to the Chiefs. They lost to us, which we lost to the Bills. And then they lost to the Bengals, who went to the Super Bowl, too. So I wouldn't necessarily say they're a regular season team. Now, to help your argument, you could say they lost their first game the past two seasons, which... Yes. And last year, last year, it, was, it wasn't it was a blowout, but it was horrible. I think they had, what, three turnovers within the first... Well, yeah, both games weren't blowouts. I think they lost by a touchdown. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. They lost by less than a touchdown, I think, against the Bengals. 
Yeah, I think it was. Back and three. they lost by a touchdown against us because mm. Marcus Peters caught the pick and we, you know, did this stuff on the midfield. But anyway, so I don't think I would say that regular season team. It's hard when you go against certain teams in the playoffs like us. Yeah, they beat they they beat us. So we want to revenge mm. the Bengals. I told people the Bengals defense was better than they thought. And I also too told people when the Bengals were bad, they played the Titans the year before and they contained Derrick Henry. Yeah. And if you can contain Derrick Henry and make Tannehill beat you, you see what happens. He's going to throw you the ball. He threw Eli Apple a pick off of a screen. Eli Apple. Oh, no, no, no. Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton. It was Mike Hilton who jumped that. Excuse me. But what he had three picks against the Bengals? Yes. And I think two of them was back to back drives. Yeah. So. You make Tannehill beat you, he want to win a game for you, unfortunately. So I don't I wouldn't say that. I just think Tannehill can get exposed, is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off. I agree. And that's kind of where I was gonna go. I feel in the playoffs, that's when your quarterback has to shine. I mean, there has been instances like your Ravens, uh, when Joe Flacco won, but Joe Flacco had one of the best runs we've ever seen in the playoffs. Uh, Eli Manning, we know how he turns up in the playoffs, but he also had, I mean, just like those Ravens, those Giants that had historic defenses. But if you look, almost every, except for maybe that Peyton Manning year, but that's when, you know, what, Super Bowl 50 when they played Cam Newton and the Panthers. The quarterback has always played at a all-time level. You know what I mean? So it's like, maybe that's one of the biggest reasons why they, they kind of flame out in the playoffs because it's easier to just load the box. And, and if Tyna Hale beats you, he beats you, you know, mm-hmm. we're not going to let Derrick Henry go crazy. That's what we saw. Now injury could have played injury, probably played a part last year, but when, if, if Ryan Tannehill goes crazy, me, Hey, you, you deserve to win. That's, that's kind of like, again, if, 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 <laughs> if Gary Payton the second goes crazy and scores 30 points. Like, hey, congrats. Congrats. So that's that's just where I, where I see it. Do you think that do you think that if they don't or if they have another game one flame out, uh, do you think that there has to, changes have to be made? Well, this is what I'll say. I think they took a step back by trading AJ Brown. Please. So I mean, technically, changes already has been made. And I wanted to throw this about the defense point. I feel like the defense isn't more so as talented as just Mike Vrabel is just a hell of a defensive schemer mm-hmm. as a coach. Because if you look at that defense, it's not loaded with crazy talent. It's just Mike Vrabel knows how to scheme it with what he has really well. Like the secondary wasn't that talented, but he made it work because he's Mike Vrabel just hella smart on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> offensively, they brought in Traylon Burks. Um, he was cool at Arkansas. I'm interested to see how that works. Yeah, I think they're putting a lot of pressure on him. Like, they expect him to come in and be the next A.J. Brown. Now, yeah, we didn't know A.J. Brown was going to turn into that, but they're expecting that from, like, out the gate. And I yeah. don't know if he's – yeah, we know how good he was in Arkansas, but I don't know if he's – if you can get to that like, out the gate, especially yeah. after – you even though he didn't really do much for the team, but you lose A.J. Brown and Julio in the same, like, nah, nah. Yeah, and Robert Woods 
we saw he's a really good number two, but in Buffalo, he wasn't really a good number one, which is why he had so much success in LA when he became the number two. Um, yeah, and I like to piggyback on what you're saying, him they putting them a lot of pressure on him. They're treating him like Corey Davis when Corey Davis got drafted top five out of Western Michigan. Yeah. And we saw how that backfired. So I, I'm interested, like I said, to see how Traylon Burks works out. But in my opinion, they're already starting to make a little bit of changes. So to answer your question, yeah, I think drastic, more drastic changes will happen if the same result happens. So after breaking down all the teams, uh, what, who do you think the breakout or, or you call it breakout, surprise, whatever you want to call it, who do you think the breakout player or team is going to be in this division? My breakout player, we're just going to go back to Jacksonville. We're going to go to Trevor Lawrence. I think he takes that next step. Like I said, they added Christian Kirk. You have Marvin Jones. They added Evan Ingram. They might run the ball more, open up the play action. I think Doug Peterson's a good coach. He's going to put Trevor put Lawrence, I believe, in positions to flourish instead of put him in positions where he'll look bad. So I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence. He's already talented. Remember the drafts. Analysts were like, he's one of one prospect. So I think he takes that leap. I think, I think my breakout, I guess I'm going to keep it with team. My breakout team is going to be the Colts and not just for this division, but for the entire NFL. I think that Matt Ryan, it, it, while I don't know if the success is going to be like Matthew Stafford and the Rams, I do think that the, the Colts look at that situation like the Rams looked at the situation with Jared Goff, moving off of Jared Goff, getting Matt, Matthew Stafford. I think it's, it's – Matt Ryan has some horrible moments in his career. I mean, we know about the, the Super Bowl. Um, and they 28 to 24 against the 49ers. Blew another, they let the 49ers come back. Yeah. So he's had some horrible moments. But I do think that it's tough when you play – one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL, one of the worst defenses, one of the worst teams in the NFL. I do think that that kind of, the Colts are hoping. And I think that while I don't know if it's going to be the same as, as far as the outcome, I do think that Matt, Matt Ryan going to the Colts is like Matthew Stafford going to the, to the Rams. And I wouldn't be surprised. I guess I'll just, mm. Yeah, I'll say it. I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the AFC Championship. I wouldn't be surprised about that either. I, um, I agree. And and honestly, when you put the teams up, I, I could see them beating a a Ravens because, of course, with the with the wide receiver uh, questions and honestly the defensive question because while you guys have good players, as we know, the defense tends to kind of fall short towards the end of the season. I can. I wouldn't say that because even when we played the Bills and we lost, we held them to what sixteen or something like that. That is true. We didn't lose that game defensively. We lost that that game. The Ravens as a whole, Justin Tucker missed two field goals that game. That's true. Like the Ravens as a whole, just I didn't recognize them that game. Yeah. So I could I could see the Colts. I could see them when you when you match them up. We've always said that it's it's such an imbalanced team. As far as, you know, they may need the quarterback, but they have everything else or they have the quarterback. They just don't have the wide receiver. I do want to I do want to see what it looks like with the wide receiver core that they have. But I guess my surprise team would be the Colts. And as far as 
not this division, but the NFL, I can see them making it to the AFC Championship. And if they do that, even if they get destroyed, I do think that's a successful season. Um, bro, and I guess the last thing I'm going to ask, which, again, I appreciate you coming on, is who – well, two, two questions. Who – I guess you may have said it already, but who do you think the MVP of this uh, division is going to be? Now, that is a tricky question. Um, so, the MVP – that might so I, I got the coach winning the division, mm-hmm. but mm, I still might go Derrick Henry MVP of the division. It's kind of hard to give the MVP of the division to a team that's I believe is not gonna win it. Mm-hmm. But Derrick Henry is just so good. Like he was leading the league in rushing three weeks after he got hurt, still. Like he that's how much of an MVP he is to the Titans. Yeah. So it's hard to go away from him. So I'm gonna have to go him in the second on the second place team. I agree. My first, my first, my initial answer was gonna be Jonathan Taylor. I was uh, thinking him too. But I do think that, like I just gave praise to Matt Ryan. I do think that Matt Ryan is going to, and they're gonna try to balance out that that offense. They're gonna say, you know, because they try to do it with, with Carson Wentz, and clearly, as we saw, and didn't work out. I do think that they're gonna try to do that. So, I mean. <laughs> The man missed most of last season and still finished what ninth in rushing. Um, I, I think that team is so and, and kind of goes back why I talk about Portland. How Portland relies so heavily on 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 Damian Lillard, which he's great. But the Colts are going to. I mean, the the Titans are going to rely so heavily on uh, Derek Derrick Henry, especially after losing AJ Brown, and you have a rookie as a star or as your star one wide receiver. So I have Derrick Henry. In fact, my, my, uh, I don't, I think he, I think he can do it. I think he can get 250. I think he can get, I think he can can average 250 or you think 2,500 yards. I think 2,500. Ah, he do got an extra game. It's tough, but if one guy can, it is him. Yeah. Um, it's tough though. Twenty five hundred is ridiculous. If he does that, and I'll say that's, I guess that's another um, unpopular pain. If he gets twenty five hundred, which that's still a big reach, but if he does, he has to win MVP. Yeah, I feel like if he does get a number that astronomically high, it's it has to go to him. To be honest, they need to rename the MVP best quarterback or most valuable quarterback because that's all this really became now. And they'd be like giving offensive player of the year to a guy who probably should have won MVP. Like, yeah. So I, I, I feel agree. like they do need to rename it. But 2,500, I don't care if the Titans win 4 and 13. If he gets 2,500, he <laughs> that's crazy. That's. That's on one of those. Uh, what was it? Didn't Drew Brees have like fifty touchdowns one year, or or something like that? It's that's one of those astronomical things. It's like nah, so fifty touchdowns. No, I mean it's not it's easy, nothing. but it's been done. Yeah, twenty five hundred yards is. Whew. Yeah, I mean we we talk about the 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 plateau that is two thousand. You get an extra yeah. five hundred in that. Yeah. So I think we both are in a, uh, in agreement that we both think the Colts are going to win the division. 
Um, I just think that the best overall team, uh, as do you. Uh, we also agree with the fact that I think Derrick Henry is going to be the MVP of this division. And you said that your breakout player or your surprise, well, I guess you could, well, surprise, breakout, breakout whatever you want to call it, is going to be Trevor Lawrence. And I think that the, the, the Jaguars are hoping that. Now, of course, they, they want, but they, they, they need that to happen. You can't have another year, especially with everything that happened last year. You can blame it on what happened, like everything that was surrounding Trevor Lawrence to the fact that he didn't look good. I mean, that you're going to put that on everything else. But now that you have everything that's kind of stable at this point um, and he still looks bad, then questions are going to get or yeah. concerns are going to little, get a little louder. So you have Trevor Lawrence. I think mine's going to be the Colts and Matt Ryan as far as the entire uh, league. Again, I want to thank Carl for coming on, man. Uh, I'll leave his, you know, socials down in the description below. I think next episode I'm going to break down probably the AFC North with my man Mike. Uh, but that was the AFC South. And before I go, unpopular topic of the day. So... The WNBA is gearing up for its, you know, the playoffs. You have, there's only been, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, six teams that have clinched the playoff. Only one team that is completely eliminated out of the playoffs, which is the Indiana Fever. They've only won five games this year, so there's no way in heaven to hell they're going to make it. But we are barreling down to the WNBA playoffs. And you have one, two, three, four, five, five teams that are pretty much a game or a game and a half from making the playoffs. But this is not really about the playoffs. This is about the the Los Angeles Sparks were stranded, I think, at BWI, which is airport in in Maryland. They were stranded after a game with the Washington Mystics. Their, you know, their plane was delayed, delayed, and ultimately canceled. So they had to. A lot of them had to spend the night at the airport. And I could talk about how unacceptable it is, which is which is true. You have top of the line athletes. Getting one having to take a chartered plane, I'm not chartered. Having to take a commercial, you know, commercial flight, so they don't have chartered. And one of the biggest reasons for that was competitive, a competitive disadvantage. They thought that it was a disadvantage that some teams could have chartered and some teams couldn't, because I guess they couldn't afford it. Which I get, but still no. But the unpopular topic of the day actually goes to I, I'm here for a solution. I'm solution based. I want to be a solution to this problem. I don't know if anybody's ever talked about this because I haven't heard it, but I'm going to I'm going to give my opinion on what could happen and how to rectify this. If the WNBA wants to continue and not charter planes for every team, there's only 12 teams, by the way. It is what it is. So the unpopular topic of the day goes to the airlines. I don't look year after year after year, season after season. We hear about players getting stranded at the airports or 
or we hear about, you know, we hear about players or, or, or teams flights getting canceled or, or delayed. And we've, we've heard many times about teams coming in that morning and having, you know, coming in at nine o'clock in the morning and having game at one game at one o'clock. We've heard multiple stories about that. So if you're the airlines, why don't you be the official airline of the WNBA? I'm looking at you, American Airlines. I'm looking at you, Delta, Southwest. One of you guys take on the challenge, or not challenge, take on the privilege of being the official airline of the WNBA. So you're probably thinking to yourself, well, what does that look like, Jalen? The WNBA has special deals with the airline, and the airline has special planes set aside for the WNBA teams. It's a win-win. You are the uh, the official sponsor for the WNBA. The WNBA doesn't have to worry about this crap of 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 flights getting canceled and teams, you know, not being able to fly. Think about it like this. I understand what people say. I get it. I hear it. You know, the WNBA isn't as popular. The W you may lose money because the WNBA is not the NBA. It's not a male sport. That's that's what they want to say. But the WNBA continues to grow year after year after year. Sold out show, sold out arenas after sold out arenas. People are interested in the WNBA more and more as the years go on and as the days go on, as the seasons go on. So why not be? And one thing the WNBA I don't think understands is this hurts their product. This tanks their product. You see, you wonder, you think that it's, 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 it's unaffordable now to, to have chartered planes for every team, but when you keep, you're, you're, the, you talk about competitive disadvantage, well, you don't think it's a competitive disadvantage that there's seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, six teams that is within a game of the playoffs and one of those teams gets stranded at the airport for a whole night. You don't think you don't think that's a competitive disadvantage? And you're pretty much what you're doing is you're pretty much dictating yourself to the elements. You're pretty much bowing down to the elements instead of Now <sighs> Airlines, man. Be, be the official airline of the WNBA. This saw, this is a win-win for both the WNBA and the airline. I put money. You see, like, the Commissioner's Cup or the All-Star Game, or I do know that they charter planes for the WNBA Finals, but that 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 really just shows me that you, that you could do it. You can charter. You just you don't want to spend – you don't want to have 12 chartered planes. Which – Get me wrong. I understand. I'm saying it like it's not expensive, but you're talking about competitive disadvantage, and you're talking about you may not be able to afford it. Well, can you afford the L.A. Sparks not making the playoffs because they lost one game, and that one game could have been after they get stranded at the airport? Think about that. Or Asia Wilson. Or Breonna Stewart, Seattle Storm, uh, Vegas Aces. 
two front runners for the MVP. Imagine if the Aces were in the playoff race. Or no, imagine in the playoffs, the Aces have to play a game and they get they 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 their their flight gets stranded. Or Brianna Stewart in the Seattle Storm. Brianna Stewart, who is another MVP front runner. They get, I'm just saying you are t- you are playing a dangerous game with your product when you're relying on something that's so unreliable right now, and that is the 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 loyalty of airlines. Again, you, you there should be no reason why I am sitting. I can I can possibly sit next to Asia Wilson. I could possibly sit possibly sit next to Elena Deladon. Airlines, Southwest, American, Delta, f- hell, if you, I wouldn't do it. But if you want to, even even if it was Spirit, I don't know. Take that leap and make yourself the official airline of the WNBA, and get them specialty or get them a specialty plane. Hell, you're only gonna need what. Maybe six of them jumps. Because not every team plays away, clearly. That's all I'm saying, man. And there you have it. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate Carl for coming on. Um, if you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve, joggers, the link is in the description below. And multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your unpopular podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to whoever you're listening. Please subscribe to whoever you're watching. It definitely would mean a lot to me. Uh, and until next time, much love. Jaddy back in the city with it. Jitty done been all across the globe. They say Jitty scribbler, he's silly with it when he spit it. I hope he don't sell his soul. He should be good, man. He signed a cold. He from the hood, nigga, down the road. He was just jugging right by the stove. Then they saw the patrol, it was time to roll. Saw the patrol, it was time to ride. Motor running on Memorial Drive. Got a country cousin cruising with the black man Savannah at the Florida Georgia line. Got a couple family members in Atlanta, not Atlanta. We let on Moretta decide. They just gon' let that Beretta fly. Cause you niggas bugging spray pesticides. It's me and the bros, it's no extra guy. And they moving way, just no exercise We could pick a date to come stretch you out Only showing muscle when it's flexing time You can see the hustle, you can recognize Overcame struggle when the devil tried Let me bear it all when I'm telling God You know I'm a rant when I talk to Jah Nigga said that I can't Damn lie, ain't dapping no hands Sanitize, gon' slide on your man Landslide, there's a nine in my pants Hancock, you gon' try to recant You can now, I can step on the ant Ant pile, I'ma shoot at the ground Dance now, damn I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a two-stepping man. I said I do not dance. It's a gun inside my pants, and the whole world's in his hands. It depends. Penny for your sins. Shooting up the block can't stop revenge. Nappy dreadlocks like a roster man. What a story ends in a pop Mama said the Messiah's in moccasins. Trying to save the kids in them apartment sins. 
sure way to live with other options. Opulence, decadence, black excellence, and lots of it. I could cop the newest Beamer, Bentley, or Balenciaga's. I could pay for this little nigga scholarship. I ain't caught up in rap nigga politics. Play with me and you're playing yourself. Playing with death. Say I'm a prayer. Kathy and Carl got a K on the shelf. I'm in DeKalb County, you'll be carrying catering chef. Cooking up another plate of the best. Me and Crystal. Body popping like it's Crisco. Fried chicken, I'm licking her thighs. Then I put my face in her breast. I took a drive, my plug on the west side of Atlanta. He known for Ness guys with a hammer on camels and headshots on the camera. But knock out a dreadlock. That's a felony charge. He called the F niggas, Connor the Ang, get X'd out. But I only been here cause I'm trying to help. Only one you can help is Nigga yourself. Nigga said that now. I can't. Damn lie, ain't dapping no hands. Sanitize, don't slide on your man. Landslide, there's a nine in my pants. Hancock, you gon' try to recant. You can now. I can step on the ant, ant pile. I'ma shoot at the ground. Dance now. Damn. Life is a journey, you know, not a destination. Lean not towards the egoistic inclinations. Positive vibrations bring real liberation. It's the will of the heart, the strength of the mind, and the love of the Creator that will help us rise out of these sadistic situations and experience the purity that exists in our creation, you know.